Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. The first episode after Christmas. And, well, actually, I was just about to say I'll start off with bad news. Forget about that for a second because I've just picked up oh, something so delicious. Oh, it's a... Uh, it's like Bailey's. It's a bit of a kind of coffee liqueur type thing from Spain, picked up here in Tenerife. Six euros. The alcohol here is so cheap. It is so delicious. Just with a big scoop of ice. Oh, I'm gulping that down. That's dangerous. Mm. Kind of coffee liqueur. Cream liqueur, I think they call it. It is absolutely delicious. Right after Christmas, so I can just about justify it because I'm still in the festive season. So you have a meal, then you have some coffee liqueur afterwards. You relax in the afternoon or you do a podcast episode, bit of coffee liqueur. Early evening drink, some coffee liqueur as well. So I'll make the most of these excuses, but wow, it is more tasty than the most delicious cocktail I've ever had. Right, so I'll try and pace myself with that throughout this episode and now I'm happy to say that straight after Christmas I begin with some bad news right UK and I'm quoting here UK drivers anger over car ownership ban proposals haven't they thought this through I really I have a problem with this a lot of stuff I can get on board with for example you know making sure that I guess if you're in a city you you ride a, a more eco bike so a bike that's I don't know from 2010 onwards for example I can just about 
get on board with that with that without too much kicking and screaming. Uh, bike modification. See, I enjoy bike modifications, but you know, in Spain, the proposals—well, not the proposals—in Spain, you basically can't modify your vehicle. And I also had a, a German biker who said, "No, no, no, you can't do that as well." Now, get onto that in a second. But, 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 there's an article that came out a couple of days ago in the UK, and it really is pushing it for me now. Let me read you a little bit of this. Um, so you can understand where I'm coming from. So, UK drivers' anger over car ownership ban proposals. They haven't thought this through. Transport Minister Trudy Harrison, and this is from, just so you know, Daily Express. Transport Minister Trudy Harrison called for the country to move away from car ownership with shared mobility instead becoming the norm. She called for a system that is, and I quote, fit for the future and said the UK needed to depart from the 20th century thinking centred around private vehicle ownership. Uh, she goes on to say that it would be a better option, including bike share schemes, car clubs, e-scooters and digital demand responsive transportation. She said that it was staggering that nearly two thirds of car trips are taken by lone drivers. In response to the statements from the transport minister, drivers were outraged, calling these proposals, calling for these proposals to be abandoned. A poll of 3,276 express.co.uk readers held from December 21st to December 23rd a staggering 91% of those voters said private car ownership should not be banned in cities. Now, I could go on and on. This this actually does get me a bit angry because you get these, you get politicians, and this isn't party specific. I don't care if it's left wing or right wing. This is completely impartial in that respect. But you get politicians who just come along... And and they want to, you know, a lot of politicians, I really do get the feeling they want to completely get rid of any type of enjoyment with vehicles. The people that come up with these proposals, they have absolutely no idea of the passion and the enthusiasm involved in car or motorcycle ownership. The joy it brings. It, talking about stats, talking about stats such as a staggering X percentage of vehicle journeys are taken up by one owner what if we want to what if it's our passion and we want to go out by ourselves on our motorcycle or on our car or in our car and we just want to drive or ride because heaven forbid we may actually enjoy it what's going to happen are you going to take away the simple freedom of being able to go out in your car on your motorbike is that slowly going to be taken away from us because it may sound crazy now like come on freddie you're overreacting they're not saying that they're just saying maybe in cities the times of you know driving your own vehicle maybe they're trying to come to an end maybe they're coming to an end but it starts off like this everything starts with small steps and it slowly evolves i really hope i really really hope that you know, we're not getting to a position where the the governments, whatever country you're in, whether it's left or right leaning, I really hope they're not trying to bring an end to private vehicle ownership. Because I said in a previous episode that, you know, it's brilliant. Went to Barcelona and we could use these electric scooters. And that does make sense. And that's brilliant. And I am hugely for that. But I really hope we don't have future governments that try to completely get rid of any type 
of vehicle ownership. It starts in cities, it starts in cities, and then it can spread further and further afield. Example, out of my friendship group, let's say, let's say I've got fine, kind of 13 close friends, as an example. Of those, I would say that, let's say, let's say about four, four or five are petrol heads, four or five get it. The other eight or nine couldn't care less about vehicle ownership. A lot of them live in the city. And if we look at my brother, for example, he couldn't care less about vehicle ownership. He lives in London, doesn't want anything to do with vehicle ownership, too expensive, too much hassle, lives in London. And if he does need a car, maybe he can borrow my parents' car. And that's great. This is the way it's going, though. You know, there are a lot of people who couldn't care less about it, but I hope they're not going to try and ban it. You know, they're, they're not taking into account here that car and motorcycle ownership for a lot of people is a gigantic, gigantic passion. You've got to see past the stats and you've got to see past just the fact that it's not just a mode of transport for a lot of people. It's like what I was talking about last week, where they're, they're going to look into banning... Uh, modification of cars and bikes. There's got to be a limit. You've got to understand. You've got to understand that this is a passion for people. I cannot imagine a world in which, you know, this gets whittled down and whittled down to where vehicles are transportation and no more than that. And that romance, that joy of driving or riding, it completely disappears. I'm a little bit scared, a bit scared of what's going on. And I hope it doesn't evolve too much. I just calm down with one more sip. Oh, God. Right. Okay. I'm going to keep a close eye on this because, you know, I, I know the type. I know the type of politician that it will be that you know, they couldn't care less about it. They just couldn't care less about driving or riding. And... They want to, to bring these bans and these restrictions out for everyone without taking account passion and enthusiasm and hobbies. So I will keep you posted if I hear any more about that. And do you know what I'm going to bring you now? God, do you know what? This episode is going to be all about moaning, all about moaning, all about being negative. That's how I feel today about my first two articles. So this is a natural evolution of the first story. Prepare yourself from The Guardian. God, I'm going from theexpress.co.uk to The Guardian. I, I am a broad church. Okay. Plans in England for car chargers in all commercial car parks quietly rolled back. So, there was a plan in the UK government for every, I think it's every new or every commercial car park would either, if it was newly built, have to fit electric chargers or even retrospectively fit those electric chargers. Basically, the government is desperately trying to roll out a widespread network of electric vehicle chargers. And they're, they're trying to think of any way they can to do this as quickly as possible, because, of course, you can't be penalising petrol and diesel vehicle owners and they're not getting a good network out and I know firsthand that the electric vehicle network in the UK is atrocious after having the Harley-Davidson Livewire for I think a week and I had a, a nervous breakdown 
I've moaned enough about it. The network is, at the moment, unfortunately, a joke. And some people said, Freddie, it's not a joke. You just have to plan your route. Well, I don't want to plan my route. I want to get on my bike and I want to be able to ride wherever I want or drive wherever I want without having to plan out in the most perfect detail every charging point for my journey. I just want to drive and I just want to ride. So have a listen. So plans in England for car chargers in all commercial car parks quietly rolled back. So here we go. The government has quietly backtracked on proposals to require every shop office or factory in England to install at least one electric car charger if they have a large car park, prompting criticism by environmental campaigners. So the original plan required every new and existing non-residential building with parking for 20 cars or more to install a charger. However, the Department for Transport has now revealed it will only require charges to be installed in new or refurbished commercial premises amid fears for or over the cost for businesses according to the response to a consultation what's going to happen then if things aren't going to improve very very rapidly with electric charges then I have no idea what's going to happen. More and more people are buying electric cars. And when I took out the Harley Davidson Livewire, there weren't anywhere near electric, ch- anywhere near enough electric chargers. And those that there were, they were either broken or completely inadequate. I got a quote of an eight hour charge time for a Harley Davidson Livewire, an eight hour charge time. It is completely substandard at the moment, the UK charging network. So for for these plans to slowly be rolled back that's a gigantic issue that's a really huge issue i am not you know i don't know what's going on with the government and i'm sure that this is not me knocking the british government over any others i'm sure this is happening everywhere else we're probably fairly decent actually in the uk with electric network but it is completely substandard if you want widespread use of electric vehicles at the moment so well this article from the guardian looks like things are not moving fast enough it should be completely the opposite we should be trying to exceed expectations and not actually roll back on them because it's going to be too much for businesses and i agree it's not fair always to put it on the businesses It's not just fair for the government to say oh you're opening up a new business you've got to go and fit in three or four electric charges the government got to put their hands in their pockets. If they want this widespread use of electric vehicles, they've got to put their hands in their pockets. It's the only way that it's going to work. It's nowhere near widespread enough. It's, something's got to happen. You know, I know that there are electric charges going on in lampposts along some streets, but I think there are some author- like London authorities or London councils. Some of them have just a handful of electric chargers. A handful of electric chargers in an entire London borough. Things have to change quickly. So we'll see if they do. But there we go. Right. Okay. First two angry points done. Let's see how much more angry I'll get. Right. Oh, no, this is nice. I like this. Here we go. I continue. Uh, This was from, I think this was actually someone commented on a YouTube video I did. Uh, no, no, it wasn't actually. This was someone from Instagram. They said, and thank you for sending this over, Andrew. Wow, that goosey. Goodsy. 
This is in reference to the Mokta Gutsi V7 I was testing. Wow, that Gutsi looks very good. Very interestingly, I spoke to a couple of bike manufacturers at Motorcycle Live and they were saying they expect the used bike prices to crash in a few months as all of the supply issues are now resolved for bikes and cars. So used prices may well come down as we get into the biking season. I'll be very interested to see this is uh this is music to mine and i'm sure a lot of people's ears because i just i just can't believe what's been going on with used motorcycle prices so the fact that this i think it's predominantly semiconductor prices have uh, you know there's been a prices semiconductor availability ah ah oh, so good Semiconductor availability has been an absolute nightmare over probably it feels like the past one to two years, meaning that there have been gigantic supply chain shortages for motorbikes and cars. And this has pushed up the prices of motorbikes gigantically. Someone asked me, someone asked me uh, four days ago, Freddie, should I go out? Uh, US based guy. And I'm so sorry, I've completely forgotten your name because I've didn't even plan to talk about this, but I just want to say it. US-based guy said something like, Freddie, look, I've got a predicament. Do I go out there and buy a brand new uh, or a 2022 Triumph T100 or T120? 2022 Triumph T120 for 14500 US dollars. Or do I buy... I think it was a three or four year old T120 for 12 and a half thousand US dollars. And I said to him, I honestly think, and I'm, I usually like saving the pennies, but I said, I honestly think because he was going to get either one on finance, because you're going to get finance anyway, that extra $2,000 to get a four year newer bike with all of the warranty that comes with that and just the fact that it's a newer bike I think it's a no-brainer. It really has got to that point with used motorcycle prices that you may as well just go and buy the new one. Sometimes you're only going to be saving one or two grand. And with that one or two grand, you're going to be getting the warranty and everything. And you can even spec your own bike, assuming assuming they've got one. You know, although there are the semiconductor issues, you know, this is exactly the problem, isn't it? It's not like you can just spec your own bike, get it tomorrow. You've got the semiconductor issues, which I stupidly almost forgot about as I was speaking. So basically, it's it's a problem. It, it does make newer vehicles more appealing, but of course, you've got those semiconductor issues, which is why the used prices are so high, because people, are, some people, I think a, a German bike, I think he'd been waiting about a year for his T120 and he just said uh, this week, Freddie, just got my T120 finally. I remember talking to him back in Feb or something when he was hoping to get it about 10 months ago. That's how ridiculous it's been. And of course, people are going to want their bikes for the upcoming season that's coming around in three or four months or so. So this is going to be music to people's ears. What this will mean is if you buy a new bike or car, then you'll be able to actually physically get it way way faster and secondly of course used prices are going to come down let me tell you something that shocked that shocked me i just wanted to kind of back this up back up the cost of used bikes just to show you something that will hit home the triumph street twin 
This is a bike that I was, it was right in the final shortlist for when I bought my Bonneville two and a half years ago. And when I bought my Bonneville two and a half years ago, the prices of, of Bonneville's, the model I wanted, was around about £4,000. The price now for the Bonneville that I've got is probably £4,300 plus. So that's gone up about 10%. The other bike in the shortlist was a bike that was slightly out of my price range. And that was the Triumph Street Twin that I think came out in about 2016. And the price for the Triumph Street Twin £5,000 for the cheapest. And let me tell you the price now for the cheapest Triumph Street Twin 2016 model, the oldest model, I'm, I'm being fair here, the oldest model. And bear in mind, this is the winter, so the cheapest time to buy a motorbike. And I'm also looking at the oldest one. And the cheapest Triumph Street Twin on the market right now is £5,500, meaning, the the price of my model my model Bonneville that I bought has gone up has actually gone up ten percent in the past two and a half years it's actually gone up and the price of the Triumph Street Twin in the past two and a half years has gone up ten percent it's completely mad completely mad the bike's getting older and more valuable this it can't carry on so I'm actually glad. I'm really glad that this semiconductor issue sorted because this just should not be the case. It's, I feel sorry for, you know, people trying to get a secondhand motorbike who are looking for some good value, cheap motorbikes or just anyone who doesn't want to get, you know, have to pay over and above what is the market rate. You know, I just remember myself having a very, very strict £4,000 budget two and a half years ago when I went to buy my bike. In fact, not four and a half, 4K budget. Um... And this would have been a little bit depressing looking at this. I think the Street Twins, two and a half years ago, they may even have come in at slightly below 8K, but certainly let's say 8K means they've lost in five years, two and a half thousand pounds. It's absolutely nothing. 500 pounds a year depreciation. It's about something like 13 pounds, 15 pounds a month, something like that depreciation. Uh, sorry, it's something I'm... What am I talking about? £35 a month or something depreciation. Incredible if you own it. But if you want to buy it, a little bit depressing. So thank you for sending me that over. Right. OK. A lot of you may have seen this. I I like stuff like this. Finnish man facing £16,000 repair bill to fix his Tesla. This is, you know, we're starting to see this now because I think the Tesla Model S is, you know, maybe they're coming up to oh, top of my head. Are they? They've got to be close to, to seven or eight years old now, the original Tesla Model S. And that is the time when batteries start to fail, especially in these big, super luxurious cars that will require a huge amount of batteries, a really big, heavy-duty battery pack. So basically, this Finnish motorist bought, I think he bought a second-hand Tesla. Um, you know, he paid some proper money for it. I think he paid, if I remember, something like 35k, something like that. And I think a 1,000 miles after taking delivery of this used Tesla Model S, all of these warning codes come up, came up. Oh, that's it. It's all gone. Ah, the whole lot finished. I need some more.
Right, I'll power through. I won't stop for any more of that. That's fine. So uh, he, he drove about a thousand miles or maybe a thousand kilometers. Then all of these warning signs came up and he took it to Tesla and they said uh, they had it for a month. They said, yep, yeah, it's it's a huge problem. You are going to need an entire new battery pack at a cost of £16,000. So he then took it to a local garage to try and get it replaced or repaired uh, for a better price. And that garage quoted him, I think, 25% of that £16,000 bill from Tesla. So I think they said they could do it for about four and a half k whereas Tesla were quoting 16000 The problem is that Tesla, to, to, in order to change the batteries on the Tesla, you need Tesla's permission in order to change the batteries on the car that you own and you bought. You know, we, we don't know enough about the residuals and the quality of these batteries from vehicles to really, really understand how big a problem it is when we actually need to change them. I remember very well watching a Top Gear episode about four years ago where they had, they tested out a Nissan Leaf that I think was about eight years old at the time. And the range on the Nissan Leaf, probably from that vintage, would be about maybe, let's say, 120 miles um, for the entire range when it was brand new well i remember them testing it out in a race and the range that that nissan leaf got was 30 miles 30 miles range so you know the batteries they will degrade and you will eventually need to replace them that is pretty much much absolutely certain whereas if you have of course a petrol powered motorbike yeah, there's no certainty at all that you'd ever need to replace the engine it would go on forever and I'm very pro-electric vehicles, but it will be very interesting to see what happens. Like there's an electric motorcycle manufacturer. I really want to try their bikes. You know, th these are much simpler batteries and much, of course, smaller batteries in the motorbikes than the, the huge Tesla. So it will be a far, far simpler process. But when you've got something as big as a Tesla, you know, it does make you think, you know, is it sensible to buy a used Tesla? Probably the most sensible thing to do would be to loan it and just pay X amount. You'll never own it and you give it back after X amount of years. So it'll be interesting to see how the car and then this always knocks on to the motorbike industry, how this works out. How easy is it? How cheap is it to replace those batteries when they inevitably fail because they will fail? You know, I look at my Apple laptop. It would last all day on one charge and now it will last six minutes on one charge and I've had it now about seven years this laptop for the first five and a half years the battery was brilliant and I remember saying to Monica these batteries are incredible absolutely incredible I've had it five and a half years now and if I've charged it overnight it will still last me a seven hour working day on one battery it's incredible and then a month later it dropped from being able to last six or seven hours to lasting six minutes. And now I have to charge it everywhere I go because it will not work without being charged. And there's no reason to think that vehicle batteries will be any different to this. I know the technology is improved, but still, I think it's pretty much as certain as night and day that you will eventually have to replace these batteries, maybe after eight to 10 years. Maybe that won't 
you know bother you too much because it's a long way away and batteries will improve so they'll get cheaper as they get more widespread but it's something to bear in mind right well, I move on to the Yamaha Tenere a bike that I think is very very cool it's not the kind of bike that I would usually buy but I think this is an especially cool adventure bike and I think it's also extremely fairly priced let me give you a little overview on this bike because it genuinely and I really do mean this it's it's a bike that excites me we all have bikes that we think are cool uh, we have genres of bikes that we think are cool and we have specific bikes within that genre that we think are cool so adventure bikes are usually not my kind of bike but there's a handful in fact actually there are two adventure bikes that I specifically think are I really that they're my kind of bike they just I've never ridden either of them but I just love the way they look and it just fits with the kind of bike that I usually like you know they've got a bit of history to them um, I just like the look of them and this is all subjective um, so people will agree and disagree but well all of us we we buy the bikes that we're passionate about and there are two one of them's a Honda Africa twin and one of them is the Yamaha Tenere and today I'm talking about the Tenere listen to this from MCN motorcycle news so the Yamaha Tenere basically they've got an article here where they take a look back at the Tenere since its original launch in 1983 and the 1983 model it was inspired by the Paris Dakar races which were campaigned to victory by Cyril Neveu and Yamaha Motor France in 1979 and 1980 so it's a it's a Paris Dakar winning bike that immediately makes it cool so basically an xt550 with an overboard engine big rally style 30 liter tank and color and race colors it soon became a best seller particularly in france so that's the yamaha tenere xt600z from 1983 and i could go on and on and on but they've got second generation then they've got the 1988 model uh, which was a complete redesign tank capacity up to 23 liters they've then got the yamaha super tenere which had a 750 cc engine that came out in 1989 and they all look they've all got a very distinct look they all look really my kind of bikes I do not I say that my kind of bikes it's not usually actually that's a lie but I just really like these and I can't explain why I like the look of these Teneris so much and then in 2010 they came out with the Yamaha Super Teneri so what I want to look at first is right let me get auto trader up here what what these bikes are like as a used proposition so auto trader and I know in 2010 they came out with a Yamaha Super Tenere, but for me, for me, that is a little bit too big for an adventure bike. I like them just slightly more manageable. And the 700cc of the Yamaha Tenere in today's market, that is my kind of bike. So I'll see if I can find one of those. Right, so they've got the XT6, they've actually got a lot of these, a lot of different areas that have come out so if you look for example you can pick up for us 4750 pounds the yamaha xtz 660 tenere that came out in about 2008 it's not a looker 
in my eyes. This bike is not a looker. I am a sucker for looks. So I, and this sounds a bit pathetic, I go for looks before anything else. I'm sure that's a great bike, but if you look at the one from 2008, it's not quite the right looks that would interest me. So I'm actually going to go for the latest model, just to see what that's like. You can pick up that Tenere from 2008 with a 660 engine for 4,750 pounds. But I want to see, I want to see the new Tenere and see if I can find something that fits the kind of bike that I would like. Right. Then it came out in 2012. Not quite my kind of bike looks wise, not quite. I'll just see if I can find another one. Okay, so Yamaha XT660. So I think it's the 700. Let's have a look. XT250. Here we go. Right. The Tenere. Right. Okay, so you can get a Yamaha Tenere 700. Yamaha Tenere 700. This is the new model that they brought out. Oh, and I've just, I've just lost it. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. Let's go on to eBay, because I can't find any there. So, Yamaha Tenere 700. Let's see what we've got here. Right, okay. Okay, I can find right now, that, that, see this is more my kind of bike here. It's more my kind of bike immediately. If I do, ending soonest Yamaha Tenere if we can we can get here 7,000 oh this 7,700 pounds for Yamaha Tenere a used one but I would personally go for this one that's my kind of color actually red and white Yamaha Tenere 2020 model so only a year old it's got gold forks in my eyes it looks absolutely brilliant it's 8300 pounds and it's only a year old these look so so fun it's got 2300 miles so absolutely fine 8300 pounds whereas if you went absolutely brand new you'd be looking to pay about 9700 pounds so you're looking at about a 1400 pounds saving in just a year i think that's not bad considering the current climate um, and the way things are at the moment in the used price game so 8300 pounds but you know i look at that and i think again i think Maybe it's just worth buying brand new. If I go brand new, for example, Yamaha Tenere, I can get, now they're bringing out the 2022 model, so I can actually save 200 pounds and stick to the 2021 model, Yamaha Tenere, it's 9,500 pounds. And if I do it with a purchase plan straight from Yamaha, and I give a 1,000 pound deposit, and I do it over three years, is that sensible? Okay, yeah. okay, three years. Oh, that's quite a lot though. Okay, if I just go into Yamaha and I don't mess about with any other finance companies, I can get the 9,500 pound Yamaha Tenere absolutely brand new with a 1,000 pound cash deposit and I can get it for 261 pounds a month. 
That means that the total amount payable would be £10,400. So I'd be paying a premium of £900. But over three years, I think I would stomach that at 6.9% APR. So basically, I give £1,000 deposit. I then pay £261 a month for three years. And then the bike is mine. You know, I'd just do that. I'd probably spend the extra £1,300 to get an absolutely brand new one straight from Yamaha. For that extra money, what you get, the peace of mind knowing it's your bike, and I'm sure I've never done it. There must be something very, very special about buying your first motorbike or buying a motorbike directly from the dealer. So so I'm looking at £8,300 for a used Tenere or £9,500 for an absolutely brand new one. And I, I really like, I really like this. I'm on the Yamaha website and listen to this, the Tenere 700, Yamaha's original XT models made world traveler reality for every rider. Now the legend continues and with the Tenere 700, you can discover real adventure and change your life forever. These bikes are growing on me more and more every time I look at them. And I like it in that red and white colour. That's my kind of bike. Right, I want to find... Oh, I didn't even realise I'm way over. Okay, okay, here we go. I want to find a quick, cheaper alternative. I'm going to the Honda Africa Twin. Okay, let me just tell you how much I can get because this is another bike I love. Honda Africa Twin... And it is the 1000, the newer one's the 1100. Honda Africa Twin used prices for a 2016 model. These look brilliant, pretty much exactly the same as the, the newest ones. Five years old now, 2016 Honda Africa Twin. Great time to buy it in the winter, 22,000 miles, 1,000 cc engine, it'll be a brilliant bike, 6,300 pounds. That's more like it, that. That is a good buy at £6,300 for such a brilliant, absolute bang-on bike for life. And they look incredible. Right, I'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Have a brilliant festive period, and I'll speak to you in the next one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.